your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Friday night episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, today is the last episode for at least four shows a week. Next week we go to three days a week in case anyone is not aware. Um, do have some big news. I mean, it looks like sometime next week. I have not set a date yet. Um, I am going to be bringing on... Uh, Brock McGinn, who of course just signed with the Penguins this past week. I got in touch with his agent. Um, we're just finishing a date and a time, and then we are going to bring Brock McGinn on for an interview. Might be a bit of a longer episode, but um, this is this is the big thing that I have been working on for this podcast. I want to bring um, current and former Penguins onto the show. I know I've done a lot of the media. I've done a lot of people from hockey Twitter, but this is my next step and I can't wait to hopefully bring on Brock McGinn next week. It looks like it is going to happen. I'm probably, it's probably going to be one of Thursday or Friday. I'm just waiting to get the email at this point. Just, but just wanted to let you all know of that. Um, obviously, you know, the Penguins did sign him to that four year deal, 2.75 um, AAV. Then the next day, the Penguins continued their depth signings and signed Danton Heinen, which I'm going to touch on in this first segment um, of the episode. I really like this signing. Sure, it's a bottom six player, but I really don't care that much just because um, he, he. I think he just got a bad rep these last couple years because he's played with the Anaheim Ducks. I'm trying to just find his stats here real quickly. But he was basically a 50-point player back in 2017-2018 with the Bruins. The year after that, I think it was around 34 to 35 points. And then those last couple of years um, just did not fit in with the Ducks. I think that Heinen trade was him for... I'm trying to remember that trade with Boston. I don't know if it was for Andre Kasha that came over for to Boston for Heinen. Actually, excuse me, no, it was um, Heinen to the Ducks for Nick Ritchie, who I think is still unsigned as well. So my apologies on that. But um, in my opinion, this is still a good player. You know, if you look at Andy and Rono's stuff, um, ranks in the 93rd percentile for PK, 99th percentile for possession exits, rolling difficulty, 60th percentile, scoring in offense, you know, 45. So he, he's not known for his scoring, though he did have 14 points in 43 games this season. Um, he's an 81st, 81st percentile, excuse me, for chances for transition and eh, shooting kind of eh, as well um but i really think that he has more to give here for the penguins i, um, I was actually reading a tweet from danny shyrie irving of pensball he is actually willing to make a bet that he outproduces mcginn at 5v5 this year and honestly i wouldn't bet against that just because heinen has been again really good in the past and has had good underlying numbers with the Bruins and you put him with Jeff Carter potentially and McGinn I think he's going to produce a lot more than he did this past season with those seven goals and 14 points I think you could get closer to the version you saw with him in Boston when he had 16 goals and 31 points in 2018 then the year after that I think was close to around 16 goals again but still not as many points but overall you know that he's basically a more defensive player I would think um, then an offensive player. 
when healthy, I think the Penguins will go Gensel, Crosby, Rust. Um, I think they'll still have Zucker if he's still here with Malkin and Kapanen. Um, Ashley's Bluger on the fourth line. They can put whoever they want there on there with Evan Rodriguez. Um, these these are Danny's lines, um, at least. Um, again, Carter Heinen. I think that's a really good third line. It's not as good as what you saw in the playoffs with McCann and Carter together, but I think the McGinn Carter Heinen line could definitely do some damage. Um, and hopefully they there's more scoring. Um, that potentially meets the eye, but you know they, they've been needing to replace some of the depth that they lost in expansion and because of the McCann trade. And hell, hell, I get it. You know, it's basically you're trading Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev for Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn. I, I'm not sure how they're going to be better after it. I, I could see it. I also could not see it. You know, this is you know we're day three basically in free agency at this point. It's still too early to tell. I ate a lot of crow on the Cody CC signing because I didn't think he was going to be that good. Hopefully, I do the same with Danton Heinen. Um, I think he's going to be good. You know, one year, 1.1 million. There's really not much risk there. If you scratch him because he's doing bad, it's not the end of the world. You just hope that he's not going to be like Mark Jankowski. And I did see a little bit of that on Penguins Twitter after the signing got announced, and it's like I don't really see the comparison. At all, both of these players, they're they're just they're not similar, um, in my opinion. I think Heinen is much better offensively. He has a much better shot, much better on the PK and in the defensive zone. Um, and Jankowski really just he had absolutely nothing um, to the table. Had a bad shot, no scoring touch, not even any good playmaking ability. Bad on the PK, bad in the defensive zone. Um, it's really not even close in my opinion, though. Again, you know, hopefully we don't see a repeat of that because you do never really truly know. But I'm still excited for him to join this team. He's going to replace Brandon Tanev in a lot of ways, especially on the PK. I know I said this about Brock McGinn. I, I think also I should say this. Um, Heinen does have a McCann-like shot. It's not exactly like his. I mean, I think McCann um, had arguably the greatest shot on the team. So again, I'm not fully comparing it to that. But I still think Heinen's shot um, is underrated and could quickly be one of the better shots that this team has. I don't think you're going to see him get a lot of power play time. They just, they have, obviously they have the top end talent for the top power play. But even for the second power play, they can throw out John Marino. They can throw out Jason Zucker. They can throw out Brock McGinn. In. They can throw out Jeff Carter. Um, I just I don't see Heinen getting on there. Heck, they can throw out Kasperi Kapanen. I'm sure. I mean, he, there's no way he's getting traded before the start of the season. Uh, bank on that, by the way. I, I've never been sure of anything in my life when it comes to that. There is absolutely no way this team is trading Kasperi Kapanen before the season. I really don't think they're going to make a lot of deals before the season, if any. And that brings me to my second point. Before we do go to a commercial, I understand I, myself included. I am a bit worried about the goaltending position. I know Brian Burke, Burke excuse me, talked today. You know, he hyped up Tristan Jari. He says that he's going to be a good goalie for us. I mean, that, that's what he's going to do, guys. He's not going to basically trash him. He's not going to say that we're going to trade him or that we're looking for an upgrade. You just that, that basically kills your value. I mean, it's just that this was never going to happen with either Burke and Hextall. I still think that they will make a move at some point. For a goalie, it just might be uh, later rather than sooner. I think they honestly might go into the season um, hoping to do a deal 
uh, during the season for goalie, especially if both of those guys struggle. I mean, if they do this again, they have no idea how much of a risk this is because if it fails again and there's a high likelihood that it will, um, there's going to be a lot of heat on both of those because there were a lot of goalies available this offseason that they could have traded for or signed, and they didn't. I mean, you know, the free agent class, I, I liked a couple of those. I know some others were injury-prone or a bit washed, but there were still a couple there that I liked more than others, like a Linus Olmark. Obviously, he signed for too much, like a Peter Morozik. And again, if Jari and DeSmith screw up again next season— it's just it, the, the, the cries from the fans and probably within the organization um, is going to be a lot harder this time around than it was the last season when obviously they got screwed due to the goaltending. And honestly, I'll offer up this take um, for you all. I think they can go into next season by just getting a goalie and then getting a top nine forward before the trade deadline. I think that is where I am at right now. They've made two good signings, at least in my opinion. Sure, they haven't fully replaced McCann, but knowing this team and knowing how injured they get during the season, they are probably going to have no choice but to get a top nine forward during the season. Remember what Ron Hextall said when he took over and they traded for Jeff Carter. He said they kind of forced our hand because they were playing really well and we wanted to reward them. So if this team is playing really well and they get a goalie towards the end of the offseason or any day now, um, I definitely think Hextall would go all in and get a top nine forward for them to push to the fourth Stanley Cup in the Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin era. That's what I would do, I think, at this point. I understand there's not a lot of really good wingers left on the market. Sure, I would love to have Tomas Tatar and maybe dump Mike Matheson's contract, and I'm going to get to that coming up in the next segment. But I think as of right now, the biggest priority for this team needs to be to get a goalie, go into next season, have him potentially push Tristan Jari or flat-out start, and then deal with your top nine winger issue during the season when the team is hopefully playing well. I think that's where I stand, and I think I'm going to stick with that at least for a while. So um, coming up in the next segment, again, I'm going to touch on um, potentially moving out a little bit of salary and why I think um, I think it should be Mike Matheson that's moved out rather than Marcus Pedersen, why everyone needs to lay off Marcus Pedersen a bit. And again, I still would move his contract. I'd love for one of the two to be moved, but I think there's a preference as to which one of them should be moved. So stick around for that. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, um, there's all, there's always been a lot of talk, basically the offseason, or honestly during the season, about Marcus Pedersen. In my opinion, everyone, I think he takes a much more of a beating than he should, um, just because I think people want him to be more physical in the defensive zone. I honestly don't really give a shit um, if if he's not being physical enough. It's, it's that he's just not making a lot of hits. And honestly, um, if you're making a lot of hits, that just means that you're not having the puck, which again, means that you're likely losing the game. But, you know, if you look at um, the underlying numbers when Pedersen, you know, just his versus isolated impact, um, plus 0.2% expected goals for um, a lot of red right in the slot areas defensively, uh, minus 0.18 expected goals against per 60, um, a lot of blue in the prime scoring areas. But then uh, if you go to the Pittsburgh 5v5 defense with Marino and Pedersen as a pair on the ice, um, it's 2.06 expected goals against per 60, a whole lot of blue basically in the entire defensive zone, a little bit of red in front of the net. That just means that they're doing their job, um, especially Pedersen, exceptionally well. 
Um, now, if you look at the season before, and I go on to hockey visit stuff, um, their expected goals against per 60 was 2.02. So it was even better than it was this past season, a minus 19% in parentheses. Again, the more blue that is in the defensive zone, the better you are doing at suppressing shots. Um, he is probably their best shot suppressing defenseman and I think he is a lot more valuable to this team than someone like Mike Matheson is. And don't get me wrong. I liked Matheson down the stretch in the season. He can do a lot of plays with a puck that basically um, no one on the blue line can do except for Chris Letang. But I still don't think he's that good defensively. And he's also signed for, again, five more years at $4.8 million per annum. We've seen a lot of bad contracts moved this offseason already, especially for defensemen. I mean, we saw Oliver ekman Larson moved. He has, what, six years left at over seven, eight million per. And honestly, they got an okay return on that. And again, Nate Schmidt was moved. His contract's not that good. Brendan Dillon, whose contract is bad, got moved for two second round picks. Uh, there's been a lot of movement with defensemen who are really kind of met at this point in their career, and they've gotten a decent return back. So I really think you could get a GM who would sucker into acquiring him. And you know what? I get it. I, I know Ron Hextall does not want to do pure salary dumps. He wants to do hockey trades. It, it's evident by the, how there's been little to no action on the trade front right now for the Penguins. But I think at this point, if you want to go into the season a bit deeper, especially in your top nine, or uh, as for a goalie, like I just touched on in the last segment, um, I think you need to shed some salary and just do a pure salary dump. And, and again, you know, the Penguins also don't have a lot of picks. I mean, these, these are still years coming up that they sacrificed a lot due to winning three Stanley Cups in the Sidney Crosby of Getty Malkin era. So I really think the player that needs to be moved in this situation is Matheson. I mean, you, you need a defender like Pedersen that can thrive in a shutdown role while still not being a liability with the puck. And I really don't think that POJ would replace Pedersen uh, better than he would Matheson. I think um, POJ could come in and do a much better job replacing the latter than he would the former because, you know, as much as I would like a POJ Marino pairing, I would much prefer him to start on the third pairing potentially with Chad Ruedel. That way you can keep Dumoulin Latang as your top pairing and then the shutdown Pedersen Marino pairing as your second pairing. And you can throw that out uh, um, to the Wolves and just send them out against the top competition on a nightly basis because, again, you saw what their underlying numbers were this past season in the defensive zone 428 minutes together at 5v5 the expected goals against was 2.06 so they need this pairing going into next season where they can just throw them out there 10 to 12 heck even 14 to 16 minutes a night and then by moving Mike Matheson's contract you can hopefully get a goalie in here and potentially a top nine forward even without bringing someone in during the deadline and then you can have a third pairing that's a bit unproven but also really cheap in POJ and Chadwick Weedle because I honestly think that third pairing would be um, one of the five cheapest ones in the league. I think Chadwick Weedle doesn't even make a million against the salary cap. I think it's actually 900k if if I'm correct. And then POJ is on an ELC, so he doesn't really count too much against the salary cap either. Um, that's just what I would do. 
Because again, you know, all three of the pairings will have that right balance. Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang. Letang is great at moving the puck up the ice, great at zone entries, obviously an amazing playmaker, has a really good shot. The number one defenseman on the team, one of the 10 best defensemen in the league. And then you have Brian Dumoulin who can cover for him if he screws up and is also great defensively. Pedersen, Marino. Marino, really good at moving the puck up the ice, good playmaking ability, good zone entries per 60. Then you have Pedersen who can also help him out if he screws up and is great in the defensive zone and then with POJ he can also really move the puck up the ice is good at zone entries and then with Chad Riedel he's steady as they come and is good in the defensive zone as well I think that's the Penguins best bet going into the season and again don't get me wrong I wouldn't mind if Matheson was here but I also wouldn't mind having that cap space to go out and trade for a goalie hopefully maybe that's Mark andre Fleury if they can somehow work that out or maybe see some reports that they're uh, more interested if Fleury is not going to play in Chicago this coming season but even without that they can go out hopefully trade for a decent goalie and even if they don't want to do that which again would be a mistake they can go out and trade for a top 9-4 which this team desperately needs I really think that this team is not as deep as they were from last season. Sure, they did have those two signings with McGinn and Heinen, and they may look good potentially in the bottom six, but they need someone that can come in and play in the top six so they can bump Jason Zucker back down to the third line because having him on your third line, especially if he's having a good season, that is such a luxury, and it makes the team so much deeper and so much tougher to play against. So that's what I would do going into this season and what the rest of my offseason plan would be. I would dump Mike Matheson's contract. I would bring in a goalie with starting experience, especially in the playoffs. And I would hopefully bring in a top nine forward uh, before the season. If not then, um, then during the season before the trade deadline. And then, of course, move up POJ full-time because I think he is ready for that. I know I've seen reports the or- that the organization does not think he is ready. I completely disagree with that. I think they're just... They're skewed by that, the numbers that he put up with Chris Letang because he was just eating up too many minutes too quickly. I think if you start him out on the bottom pairing with someone like Chad Riedel or with someone else that you know they trade for, sign him free agency that's cheap, um, that he could do a really good job. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, before we do get to the next segment, talk about a couple other stuff around the league, um, we do have to touch on Built Bar. They have many delicious flavors. There is something for everyone when you talk to a Built Bar fan. They're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are missing out with orange, strawberry, salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, and my favorite, the cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all of them, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of them have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So going around the league a little bit these last couple days, um, I, again, I really have no idea what the New York Rangers' plan is going into the season. They have taken a huge step back, I think, this offseason. I do not think this is a playoff team right now. Sure, they have a lot of high-end talent in Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. Chris Kreider is still good. Adam Fox is probably a 
top five to top ten defenseman at this point. I mean, he's obviously top ten, but I think he's pushing for top five. They have a good goalie in Igor Shesterkin, but Chris Drury, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet. Some of y'all wanted this guy to be the Penguins GM. That, that's just a fat yikes in the chat uh, for me, at least, in my opinion. He has done an absolutely awful job with the Rangers signing um, Barkley Goodrow to that six-year term, uh, signing Jared Tenorti for no reason, and then last night, uh, the cherry on top, uh, trading Ryan, for Ryan Reeves and giving up a third-round pick in the process, going full Jim Rutherford, except he didn't give up a first for him. I'm pretty sure that Drury at this point is Jim Rutherford's long-lost son, and it's just like, I don't like to use the term, you know, rent-free, bro, rent-free, because I think it's one of the most cringiest uh, terms you could use, but... Tom Wilson is living rent-free in the Rangers' heads right now. You know, I think, you know, Katie Dame of Scones on Penguins Twitter yesterday, you know, had this tweet where it's like, Penguins fans, when they see Tom Wilson controlling an organization, it's, and it's the gif of James Franco saying first time while he's being hung. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's basically, you know, Penguins fans, we, we are very aware of, you know, Tom Wilson getting inside a general manager's head. You know, obviously we had that with Jim Rutherford, with Ryan Reeves, and bringing in... Tom Sestito, of all people, for no reason at all. Uh, but yeah, I just really don't understand why the Rangers are not only doubling down on this grit and toughness, but tripling and quadrupling down on it. It just really doesn't make any sense to me. Um, they Again, they have definitely taken a step back at this, uh, this offseason, in my opinion. Also saw the Columbus Blue Jackets giving Zach Wierenski a six-year deal, $9.5 million per. I guess when they have cap space, they can use it, and they're going to be bad for the next few years. But, I mean, the fact that Wierenski is getting more money than Kale McCall car is that's just that's hilarious to me and again you know he's getting more than two million per year than chris frickin letang is and i would take letang um a hundred times out of a hundred over zach Wierenski at this point and don't get me wrong i think Wierenski is a fine defenseman probably a number two number three on a contending team but i don't think he's a number one at this point he's not a defenseman that you give nine and a half million per two that is just really stupid um in my opinion um, I did see some other stuff this morning um, from, I think Brian Burke was talking on the Sirius XM NHL's uh, channel on the radio. I know I already touched on the Tristan Jari comments. Again, everyone, he's not going to... He's not going to throw anyone under the bus. That's just not who he is. Though he did touch on um, a couple other things this morning. If I can go to Josh Getzoff's um, Twitter real quick to find these comments. Um, uh, Berkey says, I don't think you need a straight top six, bottom six, but I do think you need a good top nine, bottom three, or a top eight, bottom four. I think you need people to block shots, kill penalties, finish checks. I do think you need a blend to win. I have no problem with that kind of a statement. You know, you, obviously you do need penalty, players to kill penalties, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a divine skill. I think most players in the league can kill penalties. Hell, I, I would put Sidney Crosby on the penalty kill, and I think he could do fine with it. We've seen him do it before. Heck, he's set up chances with Jake Ensel plenty of times with two-on-ones on the PK, so um, if they really needed to do it, I'm sure they could. Sure, you need players to block shots, but you know I don't really think it's like a necessity um, for it. Though, I will agree with him that the penalty kill was a major concern last season, and I am glad that they are prioritizing that going into this next season because the PK cannot be as bad next season um, from this past season. It was just a tire fire in basically every way. I know it didn't really cost them in the playoffs. It actually warmed up a bit. But still, for most of that regular season, it was pretty dog shit, um, and I don't think they want to have that again. Uh, other comments that I'm catching up here. 
Um, he did share his thoughts on signing Danton Heinen. He says, we see him as a third liner that can kill penalties and supply some offense. He skates like the win. We're happy with what we picked up yesterday. And again, you know, 1.1 million for him. That's just a flat out steal. I mean, he, again, he's been over a half a point per game, uh, player in the national hockey league before. I don't know if he's going to get back to that point this year. I think I would bet against that. Um, though it wouldn't surprise me if he did, because now again, he's going to be playing on a team with much better line mates. I mean, I think his most common line mates last year, um, according to Seth Warbaugh of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, uh, was Jakob Silverberg and Adam Henrique. I mean, both of those players are not close to what they um, used to be. Um, Jeff Carter, obviously, he's not in his prime anymore either, but he was awesome last season with Pittsburgh, and I think Brock McGinn is going to be better than some may think. So I really think that he's going to fit in quite well here. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back to scoring 15 goals next season. And, you know, if he does that and he puts together a really good offensive season, um, he could go out onto the open market and cash out in the next offseason, just like Cody Cece did. Because, you know, Cece, he bet on himself. He went to an organization where there weren't a lot of high expectations for him. He played well in the third pairing, went out, got that um, insane deal from the Oilers. But you know what? I'm happy for him. He's set for life now, four years over $3 million per. I'm sure that's potentially what Danton Heinen is thinking um, um, as well. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I think they're going to be quiet for the rest of the offseason, everyone. Uh, I really don't think they're going to be doing too much more unless it's for a goalie trade. Maybe there's a couple other bargains that they um, come for. I'm, I'm holding out a little bit of hope for Tomas Atar. I don't see it at this point, but I really think that this team right now is done going into the season unless they make a trade um, for a goalie. And with that, um, the show is now moving to three episodes a week for all of August and basically all of September. Also, looking to have Brock McGinn on the show next week. When I get that date and time finalized, I will let you know on both my personal Twitter and on the Locked On Penguins Twitter. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and for all of the everyday episodes during the season, and I can't wait to talk more Penguins with you all during the offseason. I have some special stuff planned. Can't wait for you all to listen to it. So hope you all have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk next week.